breaking news from KXAN News. And we do start this afternoon with breaking news. Governor Greg Abbott has issued a disaster declaration for 60 counties as wildfires continue to burn throughout the panhandle. The largest one appears to be nearly surrounding an entire community. There are currently four major fires burning. The Texas A&M Forest Service says the Smokehouse Creek Fire in Hutchinson County is a massive 200,000 acres in size. Now to give you a little perspective, that's an area larger than the entire city limits of Austin. There are smaller fires in Gray, Moore, and Armstrong counties. And we have some video now taken in the city of Canadian where evacuations are currently underway. You can see smoke hovering in the air and winds blowing smoke through the sky as cars line up to try and evacuate. Now, the local newspaper there reports several homes have burned and it's also reporting some people are being told not to try to escape and that they need to shelter in place instead. The governor has directed the Texas Division of Emergency Management to activate additional state resources to help support firefighters there. Some crews from Central Texas will be assisting as well. We are following the story and we'll bring you the very latest on KXAN.com and on KXAN News at 6. Our hearts go out to all those folks living there. So many people evacuated and Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans is joining us now. We're curious, what's fueling all these fires? You saw the flag ripped there, just whipping in the wind. There's kind of an interesting weather setup that has to do with the jet stream. It's a very strong river of air in the higher levels of the atmosphere and today we have about 80 to 100 mile per hour winds ripping across the winds of northern New Mexico ripping across the mountains rather in the wake of those mountains it actually brings some of those winds down to the surface level these brown stretches from the panhandle out to Oklahoma City surface wind gusts near hurricane force 65 even 70 miles per hour incredible Luckily, that wind and fire danger is missing us to the north, but it is a cloudy day with a couple sprinkles this afternoon in the hill country. Rain overall unlikely. It's just kind of muggy and gray. 78 in Buda on the Rock and Dirt Yard cam. Notice none of that dry, hot air today in the hill country. Humidity is higher area-wide. 64% relative humidity. Feels a little sweaty today in Austin. Coming up, we've got a strong cold front changing the wind direction in the panhandle and changing the temperatures here tonight. I'll show you how long the jacket weather lasts, your hour-by-hour -hour temperature drop, and a little bit of rain that may be possible. All right, David, thank you very much. A Texas inmate is scheduled to be put to death tomorrow evening, but is he guilty of the crime? Ivan Cantu was convicted of a double murder in 2001, but advocates now say new evidence is casting doubts on his guilt. Witnesses have admitted to lying on the stand, and even the lead juror is calling for Texas to stop this execution. Our Ryan Chandler brings us the case in its final hours. The evidence was clear. Ivan Cantu seemingly murdered his cousin and his cousin's fiance on November 4th, 2000. His fingerprints on the gun, his own girlfriend and her brother testifying against him, clothes covered in the victim's blood in his trash can. It would have been very difficult to see it any other way than, than guilty. Jeff Calhoun led the jury that sentenced Cantu to death. He says now he was tricked. The trial itself was fabricated. That's the simple fact, and it's not over yet. New evidence contradicting much of the trial. Forensics show the victims died hours after the prosecutors said Cantu shot them. The genes too big to fit Cantu, and the star witness admitted to lying on the stand. To kill a person in these circumstances is, is outrageous. If it's uh, extraordinary new evidence, it still can be kind of slid in uh, with hours to go. So um, that's where we're at. After decades of litigation, Cantu 
is now down to hours. So here's how this works. Cantu's legal team has asked the Court of Criminal Appeals to give them a new hearing, a chance to present new evidence. That court denied a similar request last year. So now their most direct hope is Governor Abbott, who can grant a 30-day reprieve. But I'm suggesting that the execution be delayed until these other things can be explored. Cantu's team holding out hope for another chance before the final irreversible decision Wednesday evening. Ryan Chandler, KXAN News. The Collin County District Attorney Greg Willis has declined to revisit the case. He says he remains fully convinced Ivan Cantu brutally murdered two innocent victims and called the evidence presented at trial undeniable. Cantu's execution is set for tomorrow at 6 o'clock at night. And going in depth, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice currently has two executions scheduled for this year, including Ivan Cantu. The second is scheduled for next month. Now, this comes as the state has seen a dramatic drop in executions in the past couple of decades. Back in the year 2000, the state executed 39 inmates that year. In 2010, that number had dwindled down to 17. Fast forwarding to the current decade, there were only three executions carried out by the state in 2021, five throughout 2022, and eight of them last year. Digging a little deeper, one state recently took up a new method in executing a death row inmate. Last month, Alabama carried out the first ever execution by nitrogen hypoxia. This after a first attempt to execute inmate Kenneth Smith failed due to an unsuccessful lethal injection. He took 22 minutes to die, and the state is currently looking to carry out its second execution using that same method. Today, one of the paramedics who arrived first at the scene where Javier Ambler struggled to survive took the stand today. Two former Williamson County Sheriff's deputies are charged with his in-custody death. Now, they're accused of acting recklessly while arresting Ambler using a stun gun on him, despite Ambler telling officers he had a heart condition. Now, remember, a camera crew from the reality show Live PD had been following them at the time. KXN's Mercedes Hernandez has been watching the trial for us. Mercedes, what did the witnesses have to say today? Thanks, guys. The defense has been arguing since the beginning that Ambler's health was already poor and that resisting arrest was just too much for his body to take. Well, today we heard from one of the paramedics that treated him the night of his death. Now, Austin Travis County EMS paramedic Jacob Palmer described arriving on scene the night of Ambler's death and noting the, quote, unusual amount of law enforcement on the scene. He said Ambler was in cardiac arrest the entire time he was there and a pulse could not be reestablished. Once at the hospital, he said Ambler had a, quote, necrotic wound on his leg. That means the tissue was dying. Palmer said that that was a sign of health problems like heart failure or diabetes. The defense asked him if Ambler's weight, about 400 pounds, a weak heart and increased heart rate from the chase could have led to a cardiac event, and he said yes. He also said he remembered seeing the Life PD crew that night. I remember making pleas for light at one point to help light the area so I could see what was going on and assess the patient fully. Um, I remember seeing some people in all black clothing with a large light um, and made a call say, hey, I need that light. And I, I've tried to remember, I can't remember who exactly, but I was told that I could not talk to those people. Ambler's father also returned for day two of the trial. He sat in the front row behind the prosecution. Defendants Johnson and Camden just feet away with their defense counsel. Now less than an hour into court, the judge called for a recess. That's because one of the lead attorneys on the defense side had a medical emergency outside of the courtroom. Prosecution was questioning a witness. Court resumes tomorrow morning at the Travis County Courthouse. Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. 
Two weeks after Congressional Democrats introduced a bill that would require Texas to connect its power grid to the national grids, the ERCOT Board of Directors considered what that would look like and what it would cost. And during a meeting today, ERCOT CEO Pablo Vegas encouraged members to think about if Texas joining other grids is the most cost-effective way to keep the state's power on. Because Texas is mostly on its own power grid, it's hard for the state to get power from others in times of need, like during the deadly 2021 February winter storm. Vegas says connecting to neighboring grids will be costly and complex. Something that should be talked about and should be evaluated, but not just through the simple lens of it would add reliability only. We really need to look at the true cost of it, as if it's not available during those periods of time, is the investment worth it for the, for the limited or the, or the amount of time that it actually is available to transfer power. And the alternative is for Texas to invest in more resources, like in-state transmission lines. Joining the national grid has long been opposed by Texas politicians and energy companies due to fears of increased federal regulation. Well, as Congress fights to avoid a partial government shutdown, the president steps in to try and help congressional leaders find a solution to keep the government open. Plus, the changes coming to a popular fast food restaurant that could spell trouble for your wallet. And as homeowners see a major spike in insurance premiums across the U.S., we've got some tips on what you can do to curb your insurance costs. It's home of the Frosty, and now the CEO of Wendy's says it will begin testing surge pricing by next year, and you might be wondering, well, what does that mean? It means prices for Wendy's menu items could change depending on time, location, and demand. And the plan is part of a more extensive overhaul, which is expected to start in 2025. The company will spend $20 million to roll out digital menu boards to all U.S. Wendy's restaurants by the end of next year. Wendy's released a statement to NBC News saying... They will begin testing a variety of enhanced features on digital menu boards like dynamic pricing, different offerings in certain parts of the day, AI-enabled menu changes, and suggestive selling based on factors such as the weather. Now surge pricing is not new to American consumers, but it remains to be seen if people will be upset about the use of it here at a fast food restaurant. Well, Macy's says it will close 150 stores across the country. The move is part of the retailer's new initiative, which aims to put a bigger focus on luxury sales. The closures will leave about 350 locations still in operation. As part of the initiative, the company says it's planning to open new Bloomingdale's stores and at least 30 new Blue Mercury Butree stores over the next three years. No word yet on which stores will close. Well, an unusually warm February continues. Today, yet another day of above average temperatures with highs in town hitting 81. But the last two days of the month coming, they'll look very different. We've got a strong cold front coming next. President Biden faces two tests today, one in Michigan where voters head to the polls with some progressive activists unhappy with the president's handling of the Israel-Hamas war. And at the same time, the president is meeting with leaders on Capitol Hill to try and avoid a partial government shutdown. NBC's Alice Barr reports. In a high-stakes White House meeting today, President Biden pressing the top four congressional leaders from both parties for action on military aid for Ukraine and Israel and to prevent a government shutdown. A shutdown would damage the economy significantly, and I think we all agree to that. Without a funding deal, the government will partially shut down on Friday with even more damaging effects next week. 
We believe that we can get to agreement on these issues and prevent a government shutdown. The Senate's top Democrat called the discussion on Ukraine funding some of the most intense he's ever had. The urgency of supporting Ukraine and the consequences to the people of America, to America's strength, if we don't do anything. Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson has so far refused to bring foreign aid up for a vote, insisting money for the U.S. southern border must come first, though he previously blocked what he considered an insufficient Senate-passed bipartisan bill with border funding. The catastrophe at the border is affecting everyone. And it is top of mind for all the American people. Voters are at the polls in Michigan today where a separate issue poses a key test for President Biden. Some progressives urging Democrats to vote uncommitted to protest the president's handling of the Israel-Hamas war. To put that pressure on the current administration um, to uh, call for a ceasefire. My national security advisor tells me that we're close. And my hope is by next Monday we'll have a ceasefire. On the Republican side, former President Trump expected to claim another victory over Nikki Haley in a critical battleground state. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, 517 now. It's a little bit cooler than recent afternoons, especially west of Austin, thanks to these persistent clouds. It is cloudy and a little hazy from the humidity in Austin. 78 degrees in town and in Georgetown and Rockdale. Out to the west, it is quite warm for February. 80 in Burnett, 83 in Marble Falls. But compare these temperatures to the 90s that many of us out west had yesterday, and it's a nearly 15-degree cooler afternoon right now in the northern hill country. Still, though, abnormally warm February weather has us climbing the leaderboard. One of the warmest Februarys on record is how we'll finish this month. We just moved from 8th place to 7th place, and with the forecast that we've got over the next couple days, we may even move up further for one of the top five or six warm Februarys in history. We do have clouds streaming in with a couple isolated sprinkles possible. This is a result of the same storm system that's leading to jet stream winds just ripping right now, reaching the surface from Albuquerque and Tucumcari into the Texas Panhandle where wildfires are raging. This also has to do with the storm that's sending us the clouds and trying to bring us some rain from the Pacific. Same time, we have a strong cold front plowing down the plains. 76 in Dallas, 68 even up in Chicago, but it's in the 20s in Nebraska. Nebraska, single digits above zero in Fargo. That cold front makes it here, not this evening, but overnight into the early morning. It will be a very warm overnight in the meantime. 2 a.m. temperatures in the 70s west of Highway 281. But here comes the cool air. 6 a.m. It's blowing into Austin with 50s behind it. By 9 a.m., we've got 40s and 50s everywhere. And tomorrow, a 30-degree drop in temperatures with, honestly, light jacket weather at least all day. High temperatures in the low to mid-50s with gusty north winds. As for rain, don't hold your breath. Mostly cloudy skies, an isolated sprinkle this evening. But even tomorrow, as the front rolls in, only a brief sprinkle expected with it. And tomorrow behind the front, it'll still be mainly cloudy, but there's only a 10% chance of some brief rain from morning to afternoon into tomorrow night. Now, late tomorrow night, there may be a batch of light rain that's a bit more widespread. Hopefully, we can drag some of that into the hill country instead of being out near San Angelo. Notice Thursday, we don't have a lot more optimism. Plenty of clouds, but only very isolated light rain showers. This means that we're not banking on much rain, unfortunately. Over the next 48 hours, many of us see nothing. A couple of us see a few hundredths of an inch, and that's about it.
So tonight's forecast warm with some fog ahead of the front. Eventually winds turn to the northwest and temperatures drop nicely to the 50s. That's the way we stay tomorrow. 59 with gusty north winds and mostly cloudy skies. Plenty of clouds and much cooler weather for the next couple days starting tomorrow. But then south winds change the script again. 70s Friday, 80s this weekend. Next week, another chance of some light rain. Still nothing significant Monday and Tuesday. Thanks so much, David. Construction for the Pease Park Troll is officially underway. Austin City Council member Allison Alter announced that installation started today for the big wooden troll by artist Thomas Dambo. And you can see this fenced off area where it will be built. According to the Pease Park Conservancy, the troll will be constructed using recycled wood from harvest lumber, which works to give the city's fallen trees a fresh start at a new life. And it will be a quick turnaround between now and when you'll get to check out the troll yourself. It is currently on track to be ready for you to visit in mid-March. Homeowner insurance premiums are spiking across the country. Many parts of the U.S. have seen rates increase as much as 20%. According to NBC News, that's because inflation is raising the cost of home improvement materials and insurers are seeing higher numbers of costly disasters. Last year, the federal government announced that 2023 was the first year the country saw 28 different billion-dollar disaster events. So if your premium goes up, there are some things you can do to try and save some money. If you're in a position where you can raise your deductible, you'll see some savings on your premium rate. If you haven't done so already, you can also bundle your home and auto insurances to help curb the costs. Well, the new images from the lunar lander Odysseus capturing its historic landing on the moon's surface. Intuitive Machines has released several photos of its lunar lander as it approached and landed on the moon's surface. Odysseus touched down five days ago, marking the first return to the lunar surface for the U.S. since the Apollo missions. Now, these images show the craft beginning its descent to the moon and then just 30 meters above the surface and then after it touched down. Another image from NASA showed the lander sitting on the lunar surface. Controllers have been receiving data from the craft since its arrival at the South Pole landing site, an area believed to be rich in resources, including frozen water. Company officials have said they believe the craft, though, tipped over after landing, but it is still sending some data and will continue to do so until the solar panels are no longer exposed to the light, which could be in just a few more hours. Some of the world's top skateboarders are preparing for Paris Olympic Games this summer. American Nijah Houston and French Aurelien Grijac Giraud competed this weekend on the street league skateboarding's first leg in Paris. Giraud took first place, Houston third. Now Houston, widely regarded as one of the greatest skateboarders of all time, believes the presence of his sport at the Olympic Games was long overdue. I personally wish it was in there back a lot of years ago when I was younger, so I got, got some more chances, but I'm happy that uh, you know I'm still at a point to compete out there with these guys and go out there and compete at the winning level. So I'm excited for Paris. It's going to be so sick. It's going to be so sick. <laughs> That's a good thing. Skateboarding made its Olympic debut at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Well, police in Dallas-Fort Worth in that area rounded up a herd of goats that escaped their enclosure and wandered through neighborhoods today. The city of Arlington had recently uh -oh. bought hundreds of goats to the Crystal Canyon natural area to clear some underbrush and invasive plants. Footage released by police show several officers shepherding the escaped goats through a neighborhood around 7.30 this morning. Police say all of the goats were guided safely back to the park. 
Well, coming up tonight on KXAN, The Voice continues the blind auditions tonight starting at 7. And then at 8.30, it's a new Deal or No Deal Island, followed by KXAN News at 10. You can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on CW Austin, and here is where to find us.